I'm Nadelle, and I want to welcome you to Beyond the Booty podcast. I have a passion to see women thrive and take control of our health, our hearts, our identity, and our life. This podcast will focus on identity, relationships, faith, health, and so much more. It will be a place where women are encouraged to discover our worth and empowers us to thrive whole and healed in a society that celebrates brokenness. I'm so happy you've joined the conversation. Welcome to Beyond the Booty. My name is Nadelle. Today we're going to be talking about the bondage of religion and the path of faith. I wrote this because this is my personal experience in growing up with religion and what that did to my young life and how it shaped me. This is my personal story. I also understand in telling this story that all stories may not be similar and your experience with a certain religion may have been very different. I was born in Baghdad, Iraq as a Chaldean Catholic and left a year after my birth when my parents decided that they wanted a new beginning in America. Well, it was my father, really. He despised the current state of affairs in the only country he had known and made the bold move to escape. America, however, was not within reach. We escaped just in time, settling in Greece for two years before making it to Detroit in 1981, just after the Iraq-Iran war began. The eight-year-long war would destroy both countries and kill over a million people combined and would additionally orphan an estimated 144,000 children. It was brutal to all who were left behind. Our personal story was also one of struggle, of survival, and of a dream that probably didn't go as planned for my young parents. They'd left everything they knew to become nobodies in a foreign land and the pressure proved to be too much to handle as they encountered poverty and a reality that they hadn't envisioned. On the flip side, my parents were also courageous, figuring out a way through every challenge that presented itself. Thinking back on what they endured and the fact that they made it halfway across the world with little money and no language is quite an impressive feat. Still, my father would fall victim to alcoholism, making him an abusive drunk, and my mother would do what she could to maintain a normal existence in a land isolated from everyone she knew and loved. We pretended a lot. We smiled through pain and we survived the streets of Detroit during the day and the terror of our chaotic, abusive upbringing at night. God was not a fixture in our home, though crucifixes were. We were building on a foundation of pain, isolation, abuse, alcoholism, and lies, and I was certain that no God wanted a part in this. Unless you ask my grandmother. My, gra- my father's mom was a glimmer of hope in our destructive upbringing. Her deep admiration for someone named Jesus and his mother Mary was pretty sweet. Her bedroom was a shrine with pictures of saints, statues of Jesus, and more rosaries than I could count. I loved her, and I can still hear her calling my name across the room so that she could brush the hair out of my eyes. Why are you covering your eyes, she'd say in Arabic. It's the style, Bibi, I'd respond. Bibi is what Chaldeans call their grandmothers. Every Sunday, Bibi was at the Catholic Chaldean church, and she would urge us all to go. I knew that she prayed for us often, especially for my father, as it broke her heart to see what he had become. Every now and then, we would go to church too. 
We definitely showed up on Easter and Christmas because that's what good Catholics did while spending the other 363 days of the year indifferent to God outside of my grandmother's shrine. As the years went on, my father became increasingly unstable and so did our life. I struggled to conclude that loving fathers were real and I tolerated our occasional visits to this place called church. But even as a young child, I felt that there had to be more to the whole church thing than random acts of religious expectations like crossing yourself, confessing in a box to a stranger, and the constant standing up and sitting down depending on the part of the mass that was being preached. A mass, by the way, that I didn't understand. I wasn't sure who God was or if Mary was the way to go. I personally related to my mom more, so I felt closer to Mary oftentimes. The confessional box further puzzled me. I really didn't understand why I had to go and tell a stranger my deepest sins, withholding anything that was really shameful, of course. I mean, does anyone spill the deepest parts of their reality in that box? I stepped into the confessional once again after my first communion, deciding that I only tell the strange man that I lied to my mom and that I may have used a bad word while fighting with my sister. The truth was that those were lies. I was a good kid overall. I never talked back to my mom and my sister and I were the best of friends that didn't use bad language. But I had to come up with a less sinful sin than what I was really battling. And so I chose what I thought all kids struggled with, language and disobedience. I played the image of walking into the confessional for a few long minutes, gripped with fear at entering the wrong door and confronting the priest face to face. I kept whispering, left door, left door to myself. Once inside, I looked straight ahead and didn't dare glance beyond the tarnished gold metal lattice with the cross cutouts that separated me from the man that represented God. The minimal light in the box created shadows of crosses that covered him and it freaked me out. This decorative choice and how it projected the crucifix onto this holy one were further proof that God was not accessible to me and that this chosen man would be the only way that I could perhaps be acceptable if he so chose that day. I was full of anxiety at what he would say about my chosen confessions. He didn't disappoint in his disapproval and practically yelled at me for being a bad kid and commanded that I would only be forgiven by reciting three Hail Marys followed by two echoes of the Lord's Prayer. His last words, go forth and sin no more, signaled my release and I didn't waste a moment before taking his directive. I reached urgently for the doorknob, sweating at the impossibility of his last words that hung heavy around me as I stumbled back to my section of the pew. I distinctly remember that I wanted nothing to do with priests or men or God. My mother put her arms around me, around my shoulder for a moment and then returned to her quietness. I closed my eyes as tightly as I could and said about 10 of each prayer for good measure. My knuckles were starting to go numb because I'd interlaced my fingers and failed to notice how hard I was clenching them. I was relieved at my wise decision not to tell the middle-aged priest that I'd found my father's porn collection and that I was craving watching it again and again. In fact, I did just that, rotating his secret stash every chance I had. I discovered four VHS tapes rubber banded together and shoved about eight inches deep into the erected drywall that separated my father's makeshift man cave from the rest of the basement space. 
I walked out of the confessional wondering how many prayers the priest would have me recite if he knew the depths of my lust. The fact that I was watching porn weekly as a kid and that I can sense dark spirits who tormented me every night. These dark spirits would become a fixture in my life for many years to come. I'm going to be writing and talking soon about my battle and victory over anxiety, fear, and panic attacks. I felt dirty, abnormal, and fearful. God was obviously disappointed in me based on the priest's reaction to what I considered small sins. And so I retreated from priests and the God who obviously wanted nothing to do with someone like me. I was good all by myself. The religion that I was exposed to told me that I had to clean up, I had to repent, I had to do acts, follow rituals, and then maybe, just maybe, I could be good enough to know God or get anything from him. It also taught me that I needed a man in a box to talk to this God and that he was off limits to me. Knowing myself intimately meant that I was pretty certain that I had zero chance of making it, and so I stopped caring to try. Guilty, inadequate, shameful, unworthy. These became headlines for 25 years as I caved under the bondage of religion and the pointless tasks of the only church I'd known. Void of power and void of Jesus. By the time I was almost 26, I was in a self-created dangerous hell. I was partying six nights a week, drinking myself into oblivion, kissing anything that moved and giving my time and sometimes my body to men who didn't even know my last name. I was reckless and I was destructive. I wasn't thinking about God and I didn't care to find him. I was looking for human love, for human connection, and for anyone to fill the voids 25 years of abuse, religion, and an absence from God had created. I was quickly finding out that the voids were not being filled, and so I would try again and again to the same empty results. When I was drunk, I was high on life and untouchable. When the drug wore off, I was lacking peace, wholeness, and joy. I only know that now. Back then, you couldn't have convinced me that I was broken. I was honestly having the time of my life, and I vowed to party forever. Little did I know that a real father was about to enter the scene. When this God found me, I wasn't holed up in a church asking for forgiveness. In case you misheard that last statement, I said that I was not doing those things. I was actually pleading with my boyfriend at the time about why we should continue a sinful relationship And using the quote, but God is love and he approves of the sexual relationship line on him. Yes, I was that desperate for love and acceptance. He broke up with me anyway. In my heartbreak, I retreated to the confines of my bedroom and I didn't leave for three days. I was desperately heartbroken at this point and completely shattered. You know that deep breakup ache you have when you lose someone you love that you think you can't live without? Yeah, I was at rock rock bottom. My life was lonely, I was brokenhearted, I was drunk, and I was in serious debt. In that ugly moment and in my desperation for rescue from anyone or anything, I reached for a crucifix that my mom had bought. It was sitting on a DVD player in my bedroom. 
I tucked the crucifix statue against my chest and called to a God I didn't know to make my boyfriend see that our sinful relationship was approved by him. Yes, that was my prayer. I wasn't sorry for what I was doing. I didn't even have the thought that Jesus could fix anything because I had no idea that he was even real, accessible, or interested in me. I simply needed him to go talk to my boyfriend who can then fix everything. Man, am I glad that we serve a God who isn't moved by our nonsense, our shortcomings, and our less than perfect prayers. God gently but relentlessly spoke to me in that moment over 15 years ago. I kept hearing, get up, clean out your contacts so that you can see and go to the gym. The voice wouldn't let up. Get up, clean out your contacts so that you can see and go to the gym. I battled this voice for two hours before finally giving in. Cleaned my tear-stained contacts, got in my car, and drove to the gym across town. I sobbed all the way there and fought the nagging voice that wasn't letting up even as I drove. I was not a gym goer at the time. It wasn't an audible voice either, in case you're wondering. It was a powerful nagging urge in my gut that I could not shake. As soon as I arrived, I realized the gym was empty and I further regretted my decision to drive there, questioning if I was hearing voices. I stepped on a treadmill and came face to face with a magazine sitting on the machine. It was a Christian magazine. I wasn't a Christian and the gym didn't subscribe to these materials. In all transparency, even at 25, I didn't know what the term Christian meant. We were Catholics, if anyone asked, and we dared not claim otherwise. I opened it and asked around in disbelief, trying to locate the owner of this magazine. No one knew where it came from. I knew at that point that that was why I was sent there. I confidently ran out of the door, magazine in hand, and sat in my car sobbing as I read each page. Inside every single page in black and white was truth about who Jesus was, his absolute love for us, his acceptance, truth about my actions, about sex before marriage and what it meant, about God's interest in my heart, and finally a question asking if I wanted to know him. I was bawling, the kind of bawling you do when someone, the one, speaks into your soul and finally understands you. God knew how to reach me, and he did. Not in the midst of me getting my act together, but in the midst of being a loose, drunk, confused, and hurting little girl. He knew that I was worth more, but I didn't know that at the time. I gave my life to Jesus that night on my bed by myself, and my life shifted from desiring everything harmful to craving more of this radical, consuming, and peaceful love that I felt. I didn't know I was searching for him. I just knew that my soul was craving to belong, to be loved, and to be at peace for once. That night, I finally opened the door to a real relationship with a father who doesn't need a middleman to speak to me or I to him. I am not suggesting that following or saying yes to God means that you will never suffer in this life or that you won't have bad days. It's simply not true. We're all humans and we're having a human experience. Knowing Jesus means that I know that I am unconditionally loved and that when bad things happen, I'm not alone. So many times I have felt carried and protected. 
I've even been rescued by him. I have peace and joy in the midst of suffering. And trust me, I've had my share of suffering. And I have hope and a future full of purpose. Knowing Jesus also makes me love better. It makes me accept others. It makes me less judgmental because I know what he accepted me out of and into. Knowing him also gave me an identity that I didn't have. And it started my road to healing from the inside out. Knowing Jesus has shifted my desire from craving sin to having the power to move away from it. Before him, I didn't have the power to move away from sin. I simply don't crave sin because I was using that to fill a void he now fills. Knowing Jesus is having peace no matter what life serves and knowing that an almighty father has my best interest. He's opened doors for me that have shifted my life and he slammed others shut that would have imprisoned me. He's also where my character gets shaped, where I get my wisdom from and where my past got healing so that I am now carrying scars but not open gushing wounds. A relationship with Jesus gives you access to unearned favor, undeserving grace, and an eternal life that continues far beyond this short experience. And I'm certainly not suggesting that all of this simply downloads into your life the minute you encounter Jesus. Like any other relationship on earth, you can't just fist bump God and then never talk to him again. As I've shared before, we can all still fall back into sin if we're not transformed and connected daily. I fell back into some of my old ways after knowing him for 11 years in a moment of brokenness. I walked away from him and I paid the price for it. Still, when I was ready, I simply came back to the God who was waiting for me and he'd been whispering to me through it all anyway. The amazing and fun truth about this relationship is that God already knows our weaknesses. He already knows our tendencies and he knows everything that we struggle with. He plans for it all and he's strong enough to carry us. He's strong enough to talk us out of and guide us through this life. We simply have to want to take his hand while we are a broken hot mess. I tell a very short version of this story to say that God isn't disappointed in us or mad or far away. He's not powerless to reach us at our ugliest moments, and we don't have to clean up to receive the love and care he has for us right now. He can yank us out of anything and fill us with love and truth in a moment. He tells us we're worthy. It's why he died for us. He fills voids no man could ever complete in us. I promise I've tried it all. I know that there are people who've never encountered his grace, his love, his forgiveness, and the fact that he relentlessly pursues us to give us more than we expect for ourselves. For 25 years, that was me. My heart explodes in hopes that we will encounter this love. He knows how to reach us. It's our yes that matters. If you want to encounter Jesus, it's pretty simple. You don't have to do any rituals. You don't need a priest to forgive your sins. You can also end the confusion of who to pray to if you have had an experience like mine. Mary, saints, Joseph, they don't hear you and they're not God. With all due respect, they're dead and enjoying their time in heaven, worshiping the same God that we have access to. They are not answering the prayers of the world. 
They're not risen. They're not alive. They don't have the power to guide us, protect us, or answer our prayers. God doesn't employ middlemen. If this offends you, I'm sorry. Please read your Bible and not this podcast. God forgives sins. He saves. He lives. And he's powerful. Only God. You have a direct line of communication to him. And here's a five-step roadmap to getting started if you choose. Number one, you can simply pray, Jesus, I give you my life. Yes, that's it. You don't need a long, lengthy, well-thought-out prayer. You can just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Number two, you want to get a Bible and start reading it. I actually meet so many atheists and agnostics who say, I've read the Bible cover to cover and I didn't understand it. I'm never surprised by the approach to disprove something and therefore not getting it. Reading the Bible like you would an encyclopedia doesn't work. God's word is alive and it speaks to your heart when you're open to receive. Open your heart up and see what happens. The Bible is God's word and it's often how he speaks to us. Number three, tell someone, find a community, say yes to that friend that invited you to church. It's hard to do this alone long term. Community is beautiful and it's the key to understanding and for your growth. Side note, not all churches are created equal. I have tried over seven churches in LA when I first moved here before I found one that I felt at home in. It may take a few tries and you may not like all of the ones that you try. That's completely normal. Keep searching and ask God to lead you where he knows you will feel at home. I personally go to a non-denominational Christian church, but find what feeds you. There's a church for you. Just don't give up. The next one is pray. Prayer is talking to God like you would your bestie. No different. There's no learned prayer. It's communicating with God normally and all day. I pray for random things throughout the day. I have set time set aside for prayer. But it's not memorized prayer. It's a normal conversation. And God talks back too. In fact, I know he's probably been talking to you your whole life. You may just not have recognized him. But that doesn't make it untrue. He loves you. God can speak in a variety of ways and he'll know how to reach you specifically. I'm personally dense. So God has to either print it in black and white, hence the magazine, or he speaks to me a lot in dreams, in sequences, through the Bible, or through other people. Usually he'll send about three to four people that say the same thing to me in a short span of time. And finally, enjoy the journey. God is not cookie cutter. He longs to encounter us and the journey will be different for each of us. This is the most amazing ride I've ever taken. And I look for forward daily to the adventures ahead. I hope that you have your own adventures and that you say yes to God today. If you don't say yes today, I hope that this at least was interesting to you and sparks your curiosity. Please subscribe to my blog at beyondthebooty.com. Also, share with all of your friends and leave me a comment. I'd love to hear from you. 